less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor. Deep dive. Welcome to 2022, Martin. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I notice we uh, clap to begin. Yeah. And what's noticeably missing are the applause at the end. <laughs> That's what we need is a laugh track and a and canned applause. Maybe we can work on so that. So we say something significant, we can turn that up. And if you go back and you listen to the first episodes. Do we, yeah, we, we have, had sounds. We had some sounds. Yeah. But we've since retired those sounds and those segments. So, um, yeah, how's 2022 start out for you? Uh, well, I hate to be a downer for everybody, but my dog died, Ugh. which was a bummer. Cash was a wonderful He really was. Creature. Yeah, 15 years old. People who don't have dogs maybe wonder why people take dogs dying so seriously, but people with dogs understand. Then yeah. we flew back from Idaho and our baggage didn't arrive. Mm. Anyway, so, anyway, it's bah humbug. Bah humbug. <laughs> Starting up, no, it's, it's been a good year. Then knew my dog was gonna die. Yeah. He's getting pretty old, so. Yeah. Um, I think that every time there's a new year, people get excited and they do things that they would probably never do in other times of the year because they're so motivated. Um, they just came off of this week break. Well, and I say a week break. Usually people take off between Christmas and New Year's. If they are working, it's probably not what work typically looks like because the rest of the world's kind of shut down a little bit. And so they're so motivated because they've had this time to reflect and new beginnings, all that stuff. And we're sitting here on January 5th, I know it's, or 6th. I know it's not re releasing today, but maybe by the time this is releasing, you will have already, you've uh, already kind missed of, 10 of your gym appointments. That <laughs> yes, you, exactly. I have a friend in Nebraska who knew Jim went into this town, made it, made a lot of news, this is 25 years ago, but went down and wrote him a $2,000 check for a year <laughs> membership and never once in his life darkened their doors. <laughs> just, and anyway, that I was happens. giving him some crap about that. He's pretty sensitive. So, but he, I don't think he'll be listening. He's in a, he's retired well, and, and he's he, out hunting right now, <laughs> but wrote him a $2,000 check and never even <laughs> pulled into their parking lot. Well, and I think that's what ends up happening is we, and this is probably the wrong term. I call it fatal attribution error, but we think of something. You call it what? Fatal attribution error. Fatal attribution. And this, this Powell always makes fun of me for saying this because she says it's the wrong term, but I'm calling it fatal attribution error. It's essentially when you pat yourself on the back for thinking of something, but not doing something, right. right? You think about writing that thank you note or sending that gift or going to the gym, like you make this plan for the new years and you're like, oh man, like I'm gonna do this, it's gonna be great. And you pat yourself on the back for thinking of doing it, and but you don't actually execute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And so I, I think that often happens, but I think for, you know, that's on the personal level. I think on the business level, what tends to happen around this time of year is they think, okay, this is the year I'm going to take marketing serious, or I'm going to get us organized in our business, or I'm going to start creating systems, or I'm going to get that software. And right about middle of January is when people are actually not going to make it happen because reality sets in and the urgent starts taking place over the important. And you don't have that downtime to really reflect 
and to think clearly, you're bogged down by all the things that are already getting on your plate for the well, new a lot year. Of, a lot of our listeners have downtime, but they're using it, chasing the spare parts on the machine that broke. <laughs> sure. That's why sure. they're down. Or, or you know, they've got stuff at home or there's, you know, it's too cold outside. I don't know. There's always an excuse. Um, so I think one thing that I want to talk about that, you know, come, came to mind this week for me is um, just work rhythms. What are the rhythms, the habits, the rituals, the routines that you have in place in your work uh, to help you accomplish things that are important to you? I think we all have rhythms, whether they're intentional or not, uh, personally and professionally. And a lot of times we don't change our rhythms. So sometimes we're still abiding by the same rhythms that we set five years ago. We wanted to create this habit where on Monday mornings we have an all-team meeting and we kind of just fall into that rhythm and that can be a great thing. But if you don't question that rhythm, if you don't sit there and say, wait, why are we doing this? Is this really valuable? What's the purpose of this rhythm? Is there an alternative to this rhythm that's out there? How is this maybe hindering our team in some way? You end up just doing it to do it and no one really knows what's going on. Maybe five years ago, 10 of the people that were in that Monday team meeting five years ago are not even on your team anymore. Mm -hmm. And they don't really know why we're doing this. It's just what we've done. So I think it's important to question those rhythms, but rhythms are a really good way to get the important done one bite at a time, you know, slow, slowly, but surely. Um, and so setting, establishing those rhythms inside of your work personally, or as a team collaboratively can really help you to achieve those long-term goals. Um, and I'll give some examples in a little bit, but I'd love to hear what you think about rhythms. Um, good, good or bad. I mean, uh, bad rhythms are bad. <laughs> yeah. Good rhythms are, are good. I have that, um, been, the last couple of our podcasts, we've, I think we've called them current events. Something yeah, we've like had, that. just things that we're but coming up with this week. Just things that have come up in, uh, in the last week in my coaching business and in, in your marketing business and dealing with clients. And it tangentially is, is rhythms, but had a client in this week that we're trying to create processes and methods, in mm -hmm. other words, a rhythm. So, yeah. I mean, the thing about a rhythm is that it, that it becomes a habit. I mean, habit exactly. maybe has a slightly different connotation. If you have good habits and you do things yeah. routinely that are good, it's fantastic. If you have bad habits, um, they, of course, lead you the other direction. And one of the things that was going on here was we're trying to get organized, right? And somebody listening to how do we create rhythms and, um, and actually do it, a method is to draw a line on a whiteboard from left to right and say, for example, a contract or a new project that you're starting, um, or how do you get that new, but you just start from left to right, draw a line and say, what happens? I get a phone call. Okay. Then what happens? Uh, I put it in my CRM so I can you know, have the data, but what information do I want to get out? Who, who then handles that phone call and calls up just literally what are the processes of selling the deal, you know, then bidding or bidding the deal, selling the deal. Just a timeline of the entire project. It's a timeline of the, but you just go across and people sit and talk about it and um, you identify key points. And now you're talking about something, some things that are particular rather than just general, mm -hmm. right? So 
and for rhythms kind of where I think you're going with that from our discussion earlier is basically if it's not on that line, don't do it. Exactly. Right? Um, or if you can have several a, if lines. Does, I mean, you can have your accounting uh, line in rhythm. But one of the things about drawing a line like that is when you, if you have, um, for example, I was talking to a builder last week. And they have various stages. We divided it into stages, pre-slab, slab yeah. with the plumbing in it. In Oklahoma, we put the plumbing in the slab, which is insane, but that's what we do. Uh, then framed and mechanical, and then yeah. uh, interior cabinets, you know, interior paint. It, we just had these stages. And once we had them identified, then we could start looking at them and say, where are, asking the people who do it, where's the biggest difficulty? And it turned out to be in framing, in this case. So we say, well, what's the problem? And some of them are not are a little bit beyond our control, but they're not. Nothing's beyond our influence, but beyond our control. You can't. There are not enough framers around. Yeah. But say, okay, we're going to deal with that. But what do we have to do so that we're attractive and we get the framer when our competitor doesn't? Right. That's yeah. usually subbed out. And so we started dealing with that. But we also started finding things that were within our control. And, and a great example was. Um, that a plumber, uh, somebody, they'd ordered all the fixtures and mm -hmm. everything they needed to put in this house. Uh, and the plumber came out and they, all the boxes were sitting in the living room of this closed house. And on the front of the box, it showed silver fixtures. Yep. But what somebody hadn't noticed was that on the side, the little box next to black was yep. checked. So the plumber does what he can preliminarily and then he opens up the boxes and he sees they're the wrong color calls them and says, hey, these are black, not silver, I'm leaving. Yeah. So that's fine, except it was over two weeks before he came back. Mm -hmm. And so that sets into process uh, as just a cascade of mistakes. You know, this is, there's an old saying, for one of a nail, a shoe was lost. For one of a shoe, a horse was lost. For one of a horse, a knight was lost. For one of a knight, the battle was lost. And for one of that battle, the kingdom was lost. Mm -hmm. So it always starts with little things like that. So if you, the rhythm, what we're trying to, you know, we, we developed a process to begin checking that stuff. And, yeah. and, and it happens uh, very specific. Who's responsible for what? How do you do that? Well, check it against what? So let's say the building, um, where they call them builders, but the project managers go out to the house. And they say, well, there's a box of stuff. What's it supposed to be? And how many are there supposed to be there? And how do I know that? Well, the office has to put the purchase order out there purchase order has to match to a delivery ticket and the delivery ticket has to match to the invoice. Yep. Well, man, that's a lot of stuff. Well, let's figure out a way to do it where it's easy and not a lot of stuff because it is not, it is a collection of those little things like that. Yeah. I mean, we could go on and on with examples cause we had others. Um, there's this collection of those little things that wipe well, that house is six weeks behind. What the hell? Yeah. You idiot. Well, it's six weeks behind because somebody didn't see that the check mark was black. That that's the nail that that costs the kingdom. Yeah. So building rhythms and processes, um, implied in what you were saying is we're examining our rhythms. Mm -hmm. What are our rhythms, and and what a guy goes that drives out to a um, a project and looks at it. Yeah. And that's good. But if you know nothing has happened, what's been the benefit of him taking 20 or 30 minutes or an hour to just drive by because that's our old rhythm. You're going yep. to drive by everything every day. 
maybe there are ways to be more exactly efficient. exactly and so that that's why literally it was a current event mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's directly addressing what you're talking about no but that it, was it a current is event because it came this week we're trying to get rid of old rhythms and develop new yeah. rhythms that are meaningful and when you decide on something like how do we check forget oh not don't forget them but in addition to plumbing fixtures there's there's concrete. Did the brick show up? Did the cabinet show up? Did the hardware for the cabinet show up? Mm-hmm. Uh, the electrical electrical usually winds up being pretty good because there's a code behind it. But we're putting in more can lights. Just all that stuff. Every yep. one of those is an opportunity for one missing fixture to wind up being a two-week delay. Absolutely. And so, and you can be overwhelmed if you say we're going to fix the process. But if you line it out and pick one, mm-hmm. which is what I literally was doing with my client this week, well, we probably had three, but you pick one and say we're going to develop a process so that we can do this. Yeah, and that's what we're doing. I mean, hopefully they're they're not here today because they're out doing that right now. Yeah, and well, I think what I want to distinguish really quick between a rhythm and a process, it's very similar, but I, I would say a process is something that's written out. And it's how you do something. Mm-hmm. It's a clear step by step instruction of hey, this is how we do it. Here's why we do it. And here's what it looks like when it's a success. Here's what it looks like when it's a failure. Here's our process. There are a lot of people that have processes that don't get used. Right. And a rhythm is establishing a time that's recurring, that you actually go and do the process. You can have or, a process. Or a trigger. It might not be yeah. time. It might be an event. But Yeah, but just a rhythm for, hey, I do this regularly, or this is when I do this, right? And I think that's what the difference is because a lot of people have software a lot of people have processes a lot of people have important tasks that they need to get done but when do they actually do them right and so a rhythm for when i when i have meetings a rhythm for when i look over things a rhythm for whenever i check this a rhythm for whenever i get this done um it's almost like your default calendar you know i was going to say you're talking about default default, calendar is a a lot of people call it block time blocking yeah time blocking default calendar is right and that's one of the tools you use yeah. And, but at the same time, sometimes, you know, on that default vault calendar, uh, for example, I'll just even look at it in, inwardly in our company. Right now we have a Friday team meeting that we do every single week where we get to catch up with each other. Uh, we get to understand where everybody's at personally, but also professionally. What are you working on? You know, what mistakes did you have this week? What are you learning? What are some wins that happened this week? What are you looking forward to next week? Those kinds of things. And although it's on the calendar, we can fall into a rhythm during that meeting of never touching what's going to happen next week and only talking about the past. Or we can get into a habit of not talking our mistakes, right? And fall into a rhythm of that where we actually don't use the time as wisely as we should. Question that rhythm. Hey, what are we actually doing what this meeting was intended for? Are we actually getting the things that we wanted to get done done? Um, because a lot of times people do have that standing meeting team meeting on Monday mornings to kick off the week, but they don't actually get anything intentional done. Well, yeah, you're, they have to be a, apparently useful. Yep, exactly. And a lot of times they're, people fall back into old habits, um, but they have to be, it has to be apparent. In other words, without thinking and without having to analyze something, yeah, I need to have that meeting because that's how I know what to do. Exactly. Um, and it takes, well, I don't know, six weeks or 21 days to create a habit. People say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more than that, unless it's a bad habit. That, those are instantaneous. Uh, <laughs> good habits take longer than that, but that's where leadership comes in. Yep. But th- there has to be a purpose, and as a leader, if you're having a meeting, like you say, mm-hmm. there has to be a reason for it. Absolutely. And 
uh, an agenda. Uh, one of the things I do when I meet with all my clients, my mental process is that I have to be present, I have to be congruent, and I have to be specific. And by being present, it means uh, if I have a client with me, I need to be thinking about that client, not somebody else. Yep. Which which is huge killer of meetings. You know, if somebody's texting under the table, uh, they're not paying attention in the meeting. Uh, congruent means I have to do uh, what I tell people to do. I'm not entirely congruent <laughs> in some of my things, but I I need to practice what I preach, and then I need to be specific. So by the end of the meeting when I'm meeting with clients, we talk about a lot of things. And I like to do that. I mean, I might, we might talk about 20 things. Some of them are macro vision, change the world kind of things, and others are intermediate, and others just a, an incidental problem. But by the end of the meeting, we need to be uh, specific about actionable items, something I can actually do. Mm -hmm. uh, as Andy Grove said, ultimately you have to be able to say, did we do it, yes or no, no judgment. It has to be at a level of, did we do it or not? Mm -hmm. And so those are the things that you need to have at a meeting too. I'm speaking to as if you're the leader, you know, uh, present, you're there, you're not thinking about other thing. You're congruent and you're specific. That's what needs to happen. Um, so we're kind of talking about how to have a good meeting. Um, <laughs> begins, begins with an agenda and a purpose. Yep. Uh, because you can fall into shooting the breeze. And Absolutely. You look up and it's noon and yeah. That's, a, that's an eighth of your week. I like what you said about be specific, and it kind of touches on something that we were talking about um, before this, about just assigned duties and being specific about who's doing what and when they're doing it and what whose responsibility is what. And I, I think sometimes that you can even go back to your last example of you know, knowing the check mark, if it's black or not, whose responsibility is that? And when do they do that? When do they check that? You know, what's, what's the process? Um, I think that if you, when you don't have those assigned duties in place, people can get frustrated. They start pointing fingers. Well, that one thing, if you send an email out to the group, you know, we need to have a parking clock strike by Friday. You have sent it to no one. <laughs> I mean, exactly. who does what by when? This came up yesterday uh, in a coaching session. Uh, um, the owner has a new general manager who is growing really well, but discovering what it's like uh, to have to be a leader. And he said, my big problem is communication. I tell these guys to do stuff and they're, they're good people. They're, you know, yep. and they go do it. And I come back and it's not what I wanted at all. And I said, well, welcome to the Welcome world, to right? the club. <laughs> so uh, I gave him three questions. I don't know who originated them. It wasn't me. But when you're when you're talking, you you do have to be specific. Who does what by when? Yep. One of the the early the easy things to do is when you're giving instructions, especially technical instructions. Say, what did I just tell you to do? And it, because what this guy was literally doing, he said, did you get that? And they go, yeah, yes. Actively. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did I just tell you to do? And Repeat so it back. they're. Pardon? They need to repeat it back. Yeah, they just say it back to you, and that's where you begin to understand. There's a really confusing quote by Alan Greenspan that is so confusing I can hardly repeat it. But he said, uh, "I know you think you understood what you thought I said, but what what you don't realize is that what you what I said is something. What you heard is not what I mean. Anyway, I can't even. <laughs> anyway, it's yeah. so convoluted. It's it's a pretty good quote. But there are three things to ask people at any time. Matter of fact, you ask. 
every supervisor could ask every employee every every day do you understand clearly what is expected of you today do you understand how you're being measured on did you you know did you get it done yes or no and do you have everything you need to accomplish your work meaning training and then also maybe tools those are the really, so ask them that. Those are really good questions. Say yeah. them one more time really clearly. That's every every day when you're giving instructions and sending people out, okay, do you understand clearly what's expected of you? Do you understand how you will be measured on how well you did? And do you have everything you need to accomplish the job that we've given you? Mm. And that's an interactive, that's an opportunity for them to say, well, actually, really, no, I didn't bring the, the Sawzall today, yeah. or I don't know how to... Yeah. How to do that. I, I don't really know what you meant by that. But really, what really happens whenever you assign a task, whenever someone assigns a task? Because I guarantee you everyone listening to this does not ask those three questions. What typically happens? They go and they say, hey, I need you to go do this. Let me know right. when you're done. Right. <laughs> that, and and you've got a good hand who's, who's poured parking lots before and you just presume that, yeah, they know that. Exactly. But, uh, well, I have some actual... Guys who took a big dive on trust. Well, I know of a, of a national home builder. I mean, nationwide public company that builds homes. Yeah. And they built a damn house out in Las Vegas on the wrong lot. Oh, Boom. wow. Built the whole house on the wrong lot. And the owner of that lot said, thank you very much. And just kept it? And kept it. For free? Yep. Wow. Now that's a whole lot of things that went wrong over a long period of time because it still takes them five months to build a house <laughs> on the wrong lot. On the wrong lot. Right. I've seen really fancy fences go up, meaning a lot of stonework, you know, maybe $100,000 fence, two feet off the property line. And the other guys, and in this particular case, they said, I don't want it, take it down. Wow. So they took it down and built it again two feet to the left. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, anybody listening would realize that stuff, but how do you protect, you know, how do you double check? Yeah. How do you, uh, so anyway, um, I guess jumping back to the very original on that is if you, whatever business you're in, uh, you can draw a line. Mm -hmm. That's a great place to do it. There, there's something to do in your meetings and say, what's the first thing on this line? Yeah. And will we get a call? Okay. Who's responsible? Well, what for happens it? to the call? Yeah. Well, what information do we want to get from them, and what information do we want to impart to them? Yep. At that, I mean, the call may be a form filled out on your website or whatever. But what happens? And you just draw a line across there with uh, little marks, ticks at each, and lists of steps. And then, as we did with this builder I was talking about um, earlier with the faucets, is we just zoned in on something. I mean, they're really sharp lady was with me and she goes, well, here's, here's something. And we go, wow. And then we figured out a process for that sitting in this meeting and they're executing. We'll see how it works. By the way, we're starting with an audit. Uh, if we have builders out there, you know, you get a lumber pack, which comes on a semi and it's got rafters and joists and two yeah. twelves and two, you know, that somebody pulled off mm -hmm. and, and depending on the driver, it's a jumbled heap of sticks or maybe it's neatly but neatly packaged and banded and you can get at it all. Well, we're trying to figure out a way how to, how do I know I got what they said? Yeah. And uh, I know from working with other builders, a lot of times you don't get you what don't. they said. <laughs> and it's funny, it's, always, it's just a mistake, but it just, they never sent you too much. Never. I mean, I, 
I don't put in a fair, it, but it's just kind of funny. Statistically, it's always you, ought to, you ought to average out, right? If you're building 60 or 70 homes, but it just seems that it's always short. It's always short. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I, that all of these things that we're talking about, rhythms, um, also processes and specific assigned duties, they all kind of lead to a really good thing that we talked about as well, which is about being firm because they allow you to be firm. When you're not organized, when you have poor rhythms, whenever you have poor processes and you're not specific about assigned duties, it's really hard to be firm and know who you are, what your values are, and communicate those to maybe the supplier, maybe to a customer and say, no, we, we, we're not gonna be able to do that or no, you, you didn't send us enough, whatever it is. But you have a good example um, of something that happened, I think with two clients just this week or recently at least the, you know, they, they're on the job, owner of the house is there. Oh, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it happened to uh, Sergio, who yeah. was about our eighth episode, but he was working in a in a very big house with very complex building countertops for him, and these were really fancy uh, countertops. Pretty sure it's like a 14,000 square foot house or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and, and just really unbelievably complex. And they had shown up a couple of times um, and the floor guys, you know, we're ready, but they weren't. Everybody listening understands that, uh, that you show up and they said they were ready, but they're not. And they'd shown up a couple of times and the floor guy was there. We can't haul granite, wheel granite over, yeah, over unset floor or, un, you know, unsettled floors. So uh, on the day I was talking to uh, Sergio, it was actually his brother, the owner who is quite wealthy and quite, Alpha, let's say, <laughs> said, you'll be finished today. And Ricardo said, uh, well, no, sir, we won't. And he said, no, you don't understand. You will be finished today. And he said, uh, well, I could tell you that, but we won't. And anyway, so no, it didn't come to blows or anything. But they weren't because he knew they, they couldn't possibly be. And when they did get it done, the guy wound up thanking Sergio for being honest with him. Yeah. It was the temptation. Uh, we've all felt it. Some of us are past it, maybe. But the temptation is to tell the client what you want to hear or the customer what you want to hear. What, what they, they want, want to hear. hear. Yeah, we'll, we're going to do our best. And then the, you leave, you're over-promising and under-delivering instead of under-promising and over-delivering. And big difference there. And that's a hard thing to learn. It's a mature thing. But you will garner more respect when you, when you are firm and... Um, they'll recognize you as a professional when you tell them how it's really going to be rather than telling them what you think they want to hear and then just compounding the misunderstanding. And it's really, it's a lot easier to be able to be firm when you really know, yeah, you have to know. what you're able of do, yeah. to do. And when you're specific about, okay, this takes this much time right. and it can only happen after this happens. When you know that timeline, well, when you know your processes, it allows you to be firm because you can say, even if, even if I were to say yes, I actually know that I can't. Where if you don't know the specifics and you're really gonna bow down to the customer and, and tell them what they want to hear, yeah, we'll finish it tonight. You don't even realize what you just signed up for. Right. And you also signed up for failure. And there's a, just like the nail uh, led to the, the horse, to lost the knight, whatever. Yeah, the lost the kingdom, same thing. Because you said yes to that customer and said, hey, I, th I think we can do this tonight. Yeah, we'll do it, sir. Now what you've done is you've upset all of your staff and now they show up to the job tomorrow late 
and you weren't able actually to get it done on time, which led to a bad review from that customer because you didn't do what you said you would do. And now that led to less leads coming in. And it, it's a, just a, a cycle right. that just happens. Well, no, it, it compounds and it's worth it. And maybe the overwhelming thing is you want to, want to be at that level and to, that's the general to the specific. Mm -hmm. I want to be at that level. Um, how do I do that? And, or I'm thinking about it, like you said, I'm patting yourself on the back. Yeah, I'm going to do that. No, how do you really do it? And it can be overwhelming. And that's where you have to come down to the very specific things, such as with the builder. We're finding a way to verify deliveries. Yeah. And start out, it's kind of unwieldy. And well, that's another thing I got to do. And mm -hmm. where am I going to get that paper? But we figure it out. I'll email it to or I'll text it to you. And you have it right there. Or we'll figure out an audit process. So. Yeah. Yeah. It always goes back to little things, but it starts with intent. Yeah, absolutely. Another, another thing that we were talking about with specificity, uh, that's a hard word to say, specificity, specificity. um, is in your marketing, in, in your ads. And a lot of times people will just put something very generic, like come see us or, you know, give us a call. And it, effectively you're saying nothing. And well, you want to be as specific as possible, but you want to be specific to your who your target audience is, to what their pains, their goals, their needs, the obstacles they face are. And you want to make it really simple. You don't want to have 10,000 words to right. be able to draw their attention. You want to have a really good headline. And you had a you had a client that used to have this flyer that they handed out. Yeah. And you, you had to work on changing it with them. I thought it was a really good example. Yeah, I have two really uh, dynamic ladies who listen to this, I know listen to this podcast um but they have they're going to some conferences and going to be approaching their target market and they created a flyer they have a really uh, really innovative product i mean it'll be really famous in its field they're they're not contractors but they listen to this podcast and they came up with a flyer which basically listed the uh, attributes of the product know, like we have air conditioning yeah. Or we have automatic door locks, which are features, right? Uh, they listed the attributes of what they had to sell. And I thought, well, you know what your target wants, target market wants. You know who it is and you know what they want. And they're not particularly concerned with the fact that I have air conditioning or locks or these features that they wrote on here. What they want is the benefits from that. And they just really did a great job from having a flyer, which I'm holding in my hand. You can't, you can't. See it. see it through the through the podcast unless you're watching the the video but uh, they converted it from a something that says hey we have 82 of these and 48 of these and 33 of these to a, a sheet how much easier would your job be if you had these three things and then literally tells them uh, that you you get your weekends back right if if you use air conditioning in your truck in that I have an air conditioner, we we know what air conditioners do, so we imply. But hey, you're not sweating on your way to the wedding, right? Mm -hmm. In yeah. your tux, because you have air conditioning. It's the benefits you want. And they just did a really good job of understanding uh, the difference between features and benefits and changing it. They, yeah. It's remarkable. I think what often happens with the features and benefits is that people will start with their product or service, then list out the features. Yeah. And then they'll start to think about the benefits of those. And while that's a good process, 
I think it really needs to be in reverse order where you look at your customer and you think, okay, what benefits would change their life, right? Okay, what features do we have that actually provide those benefits? If we don't have them, maybe we should think about right. creating them. Then, well, how does that influence what our product or our service is as a whole? And I think if you take it in reverse order, your company becomes a little bit more customer-centric and it becomes a lot easier to market what you have. People have a bigger desire for what you, you have but you're starting with the customer first, not your product or service right. first. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong, but you're absolutely right. In your headlines, you wanna be specific about the benefits, not necessarily the features, um, because features don't necessarily correlate to what a customer well, wants. Well, features are there to, to uh, provide the benefit. Exactly. And you don't want the benefit to be implied. Yeah, you, want, you don't it, wanna hide make it. Make it absolutely. You want, to be, want it to be yeah, known. Your, your customers will be saying, oh, that's the only guy who ever truly got me. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. One thing that I also wanted to talk about today was key partnerships. And, you know, there's, I, th I think at the end of the day, really good marketing leads to word of mouth referrals. Uh, in one way or another, it comes back to word of mouth referrals. And for, for a lot of people, um, there are some key partnerships that can drive a lot of word of mouth referrals for them. Um, it might be that you know, you're a roofer and there's that insurance agent that, you know, you're really good friends with and they send all of their clients over to you when the storm hits, right? Um, that's just an example of a key partnership with that insurance agent. But it could also be with someone that's uh, not just a source of referrals, but also trying to target the same exact people as you. So maybe it's that same insurance agent has homeowners that they're trying to get as customers, clients, and you guys can collaborate on some things. You can, you know, co-host events, you can, um, do similar marketing, uh, activities together and have that partnership as a, as a way to reach the same audience and share audiences together, but also, uh, get more referrals from each other. And I think, you know, we were, I, this came up cause we were talking with a, a client about, you know, growing in a, a new market. And rather than try and just reach a whole bunch of new customers in that area, what if they just found some key partners mm -hmm. and use that as a way to drive a lot of new business for them? And I think that's a really good strategy that several people, several contractors out there need to think about because at the end of the day, for a lot of contractors, especially ones that are doing larger jobs, they don't need dozens of new jobs. They need a handful, right? And that handful can come from just a few key partnerships yeah, and even a, one key partnership. There's a uh, guy named Russell Brunson who's, he's all about online marketing yeah. and he's real buy this and you get this free. And yeah. so, I mean, it's all valid. It's not necessarily what our audience is doing, but yeah. But what does apply is he, he has a thing called the dream 100 mm -hmm. and that's people who are marketing to your audience that have, which I think out there in the world is called a strategic alliance, but where you have the same customer base, but you find you can find them on YouTube or Instagram or Facebook, something like influencers, that. Influencers, yeah. And influencers, and there are ways to go in there and get their lists, mm -hmm. um, and then you can you can't spam them. I mean, you can't do an email thing, but you can mark it on Facebook and Instagram, and it only appears. It will appear to people who follow them. Right. And so uh, it's, that's kind of an extreme way of doing it. 
uh, takes a little effort and yep. somebody and paying attention, but it's that same thing. And you have to be mutually beneficial. In other words, it typically needs to not be a one-way street. You provide some benefit to the other person or yeah. to the other party. And I, I will say this in passing. Number one is if somebody refers you, you by God better call that contact because mm-hmm. I, I do that. I've done that for my clients in the past and they don't, they don't, they call don't contact, they don't follow up. And it, we're done. I mean, if they're my clients, I get to chew them out. But <laughs> if they're like former clients, and, and I'm thinking of one specifically where I referred them and they never contacted them. And I followed up with, with them and left a voicemail and they still never contact them. And I'm going, I'm done. Yeah. I'm not going to do that because if I refer you, I'm putting a little bit of my reputation, not just because I'm a business coach, any person, I'm putting my reputation on the line. Absolutely. Uh, in referring you. And I want the referral to just be delighted and think, oh man, that's the best experience in the world. Yeah. And if you don't follow up, man, yeah, I'm done with that. It's true. There's, a, there's another kind of uh, strategic alliance that we were talking about that in marketing, but since you brought it up, um, everybody out there, let's say builders, or maybe you are a subcontractor, but you're a subcontractor who uses subs, um, but attaching yourself to subcontractors, everybody knows this, but the yeah. good subcontractors, and every, everybody knows you want the good subcontractors because then they'll show up on time, they create fewer problems, things do, like Yeah, that. do good work. And so... That is a strategy. I mean, that's one of those rhythms that mm-hmm. you need to figure out. How is it that I attract and keep the best of the best? Mm-hmm. And most people are, if you're generals listening, you understand that one of the things is you pay them on time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I have in my hand uh, what I would call a positioning document uh, from a builder not in Oklahoma. Um, and it's really great. They're... They're offering what I'm, as I said, it's called a positioning document. And it's a very short document that says, this is an understanding. This is what we will do for you, Mr. Subcontractor, if you work for us. And this is what we expect from you. And it's just, this is brilliant. And I'll just list you some of the things that, and this is really insightful because one of the things they say, what we can offer by, to our trade partners. And the first thing is, Jobs are ready on time every time. There are no dry runs to job sites or reruns to finish up something that wasn't ready. We it's just spent the morning talking about that. Yep, it's a big That's, deal. That drives Sergio crazy. I mean, every well, I was supposed to paint. I went out there. The walls weren't up yet. You know, they told me it was ready, but it wasn't. Or they didn't have the yep. wrong parts, all that stuff. So they make that declaration. This is what we're going to do for you, Mr. Subcontractor. There are plans or clearances concise. They don't require multiple phone calls or meetings. Just build what we gave you. Okay. Um, unit cost pricing. Anyway, I won't go into all of it, but here's one. The entire year of building starts is scheduled at the beginning of the year. Wow. That's sufficient. Okay. Well, that's attractive to subcontractors. All, yeah. I mean, there's more, but I can plan my whole year. Yeah, that's huge. Right? Now, people are listening and going, oh, yeah, right. Well, it's going to snow, it's going to rain, whatever. But they, they're planned. we got everything laid out. We know colors, we know tile, we know all this stuff. And if there are changes, there's a time schedule for making that. That's very attractive. Then below that, they say what we expect from you. And complete work and inspections by the scheduled date. 
Okay, so we're giving it to you. You're going to do it. And I love this one. A complete work in a quality and workmanlike manner. Manner Have qualified lead people inspect the work prior to leaving the job site. Do not rely on our superintendent to do quality team, quality checks for your team. Mm. Okay, there's a quid pro quo there. Yeah. Right? Now, somebody listen to that. Jobs are ready on time every time. No dry runs to job sites. How the hell can I? would love to promise that. How the hell do I do that? Well, now we're getting into specifics. What's causing the problems? Yep. The plumbing, the not checking. But now we're to the specifics. So we've been at the general. I want to offer a document like that to attract subcontractors to come work for me and tell them, I'm going to do this for you. You're going to do this for me. I love that. Don't rely on us to quality check your work. Yep. By God, you do it on time and you do it right. That's what we expect. No, If not, you don't get the jobs. Right. And this starts out in the order that I read it, it's this company telling their trade partners what we will do for you. And it shows that they understand what trade partners care about. Dry yeah. runs is, mur- I mean, anybody listening knows exactly how murderous they are. You told me it'd be ready and it's not. So it shows that, and it starts out with what we'll do for you. And then second, it says, now this is what you got to do for us. And if you wanted to implement this or write this out, You'd just be going, my God, I'm going to plan the whole year in advance. That's impossible. Well, no, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. It can be done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think the theme here is to be specific and to be intentional with the specifics. I think that, you know, especially going into this new year, you can create a rhythm in your business and your work life where you are specific, where you are intentional with what's happening. And um, I, I think the lack of specificity. Specificity? Specificity. No, the only harder word is similarly. Similarly is easy. Not for me. Well, you've got that Moroccan. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Origins. Yeah, similar is definitely a word in Arabic. Similarly. Similarly is definitely a word in Arabic. No, specificity. <laughs> specificity. <laughs> hey, you guys, don't cut this out. <laughs> don't Matter cut of it fact, you can do that reverb deal, like, tick, 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 you know. <laughs> just replay it a few yeah, times. Yeah, just replay it, replay it, Specificity. Replay it, replay it. Specificity. Yeah. Specificity. Specificity. Yeah. I even forgot where I was That's going. That's my wife being a speech path. I know what that is. You got a little glitch on, a little apraxic. Apraxic. Glitch. Yeah. There's a weather lady in Oklahoma City. What is she? I watched, don't usually watch the local news much, but she was saying, we're going to have she meant precipitation. I can't even say what. Precipitous? No, it was like. Well. Precipitation? No, it's just this bizarre word. I, Perspiration? I, what? <laughs> I mean, it was kind of, it was, it was a non-word. I, I would, it'd be great yeah. if I could remember it, but I can't even remember it. Well, anyways, I think the, the, some of the, the keys to what we've talked about today are just being specific um, throughout your business, throughout your processes, throughout your assigned and duties. The thing about being specific is that it's clear in a Very major clear. chunk, Yeah. right? Clarity, who does what by when? Do you understand what I said? Uh, and you you can say that for the vision of the company, but for the getting something done specific, the, the value in that is clarity. Clarity yeah. in a manageable, a doable chunk. No matter how many things we talk about here on in, in the podcast or in our week, yeah. talking with, 
it has to come down to something you can actually do. Mm -hmm. And then you can go do it. And if you don't know how to do it, you can realize then, I don't know how, and we can fix it and create a new way. But it has to be actionable items. And that's the benefit of being specific. Absolutely. Well, uh, been great talking. I'm glad that we're back in the new year, back in the swing of things. Um, if you guys have questions, would love to get in touch with you. We'd love to hear about what's going on in your work, what's happening inside your business with your customers, with your employees, vendors, suppliers, any issues that you're running to in the new year, um, and anything that you want, any goals you have, obstacles that you want to overcome. And uh, yeah, reach out to us. You can find us on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube. I'd like to, uh, I'm, I'm gonna reiterate that. If you have any questions, I, I asked somebody who listens to our podcast the other day, I said, send us some questions. He said, well, the big thing is we don't know what we don't know. So I don't know what to ask. I said, okay, well, I get that. But think about that and send us questions and much rather answer your specific questions than- We need specifics. We need, I need specific questions, yes. We can answer and better. And in that regard, if, if you don't cut this out at the end, we did get a question uh, from Weston and we answered it well i've got another one oh uh, you did uh, the effect of price increases and i was uh, pretty hectic that day i sent him one thing his question was you frequently talking to me martin you frequently say if x percent increase in price gives x percent increase in net profit and i sent him a chart some things like that but i want to answer that question specifically for most companies a one percent increase in gross profit margin which can come from either uh, a price increase or cost decrease, right? Will increase your net profit by 14 and a half percent. Okay. That's not true for every company because that's an average company that brings 7% to the bottom line. But I'm happy if anybody wanted to call or email me something like that, I, I would get a little bit of specific information from them and tell them exactly uh, how much their profit would go up if you raise this price. My examples are always generalized for the comp for the average company, which brings 7% to the bottom line. 7% of sales is net profit. Uh, but I'd be happy to answer specific questions. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks for being specific today, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically. Okay. Well, see you later. back at it. Yeah. Okay. See you next week. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.